0: This is a Bulldog Radio
1: Podcast.
0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth here, along back is my co-host.
2: Joe, good to see you again, buddy. It's good to be back. Had a little bit of a break. Uh, got with some family over the
0: weekend, but it's nice to be back in the studio and Back to podcasting. Absolutely. And with us, special guest, sports reporter for the Fair State Torch, Dylan Ryder is with us. Dylan, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. Glad Dylan. to have you on. We
0: are looking for more guests, so reach out to us, follow us, at the MVSP on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to all the podcast platforms, including YouTube now, and you may be the next guest on the show. You'll just have to wait and see. And we have some. We've had some fun guests on the show. I look forward to having more each and every week. Me too. It's a lot of fun having new people in the in the studio, being able to have some more people sit
2: across from me than Brandon Worth. So it's going to be a good time. But Brandon, we got a pretty good show on the dock for today. Is that a, is that a dock towards me? No, I'm not saying that that's bad. Oh, Joe! Man, we probably had like 80 episodes where it's just been you and me. And, you know, I'm not saying that's no that's fun. True. I mean, we have fun, but like
0: I'm just messing with you. No, that's true. Screwed up though. the
2: relationship a little bit. You know.
0: Absolutely, grow the network. Yeah, exactly. Grow the network. But into the Ferris State Sports Report we go. Ferris hockey got the split. Almost, almost got the full sweep, but we settle for the split. Friday, four-three loss to Bowling Green and what was a tough game. I mean, I know I only came back in the second period after um, coming back from the track meet, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. But, I mean, we came back. I mean, we were down early. Huge second period, three goals to take the lead, and then just didn't have enough time. Bowling Green comes back with two in the third period to top us and take away three points. I mean, this was just a really tough game because, I mean, Second period it looked like we were just firing on all cylinders and then and definitely was not that in the third period. Everything just seemed like to fell apart defensively
1: yeah oh uh, <laughs> that that game was rough um covering it uh they they had that second period that that was learning from your first period, but uh after that it it just fell apart they their their penalty kill. Was, was it fell apart in the third period their power play overall all, overall was just not good daniel said it himself just not good um and that's kind of what they need going forward is to take advantage of those opportunities if they want to jump in the standings whatsoever
0: yeah i mean two for four was bowling green on the power play there'd be two for four on us for the kill i mean. Fifty percent. I mean, that's it's it's not it's not great in hockey standards. I mean, I, yeah, it's one out of every two. But I mean, then you think about it, it's one out of every two. Like you're gonna have multiple power plays in each and every game, and especially the fact that. I mean, just the amount of infractions, I believe it was nine in this game altogether. So you know that those are gonna create opportunities and when you just can't you just can't capitalize. And I mean that's just been a big thing for us is not only the I mean the penalty kill, I mean when we're on it, I mean and that was definitely something we'll talk about in the in the next game on Saturday, where it changed a little bit, but I mean when this team seems like when we find ourselves in the hole a lot, like there's just times where we get out of position a little bit. It's almost like we're too anticipatory. Is that a is that an English word that's in the Merriam-Webster dictionary? Solid anticipatory. Word. Sure, that's that's the word I'll try to use. But you know what I mean. Very reactive, especially when we're running a four-man box or even a mm-hmm. three-man triangle that we had to do at one point. Heck, even a two-person at one point. Uh, but I think there was just a lot of times where. We would be very, very reactive to the first pass, and we'd find ourselves a little out of position. I mean, yeah, it's hard when you got to man up on the other side, but... There was just times where we found ourselves in in a rough spot. They'd get an open look, and, I mean, they just got they just got a great shot on net. So, I mean, credit to them because, I mean, they capitalized on their opportunities. But, I mean, that's the one thing that I think we need to have better is overall, I mean, win more face-offs is definitely one thing that I've noticed and definitely got to make sure that we're in the right position on the penalty kill. Because like Saturday night, when we are in those positions, we do great. For sure, I mean, I wasn't there, so I mean I can't really talk too much about it because i
2: don't I mean, I saw the highlights, but obviously I didn't see like the nitty gritty everything else going on, kind of like so I could really be of some analysis kind of aid to you guys, but just kind of looking at the box score, it looks just like that we've let a lot of opportunities go, and I think we gave them a lot more opportunities i mean when we're on the when we're on the penalty kill for about ten minute or for you know ten minutes, that's gonna be a rough one, especially when we're you know when we struggle with staying uh you know, now I don't say healthy, but more just in shape on those later times. So when you're on the four or on five, it really takes away a lot of gas uh, from you. So I think that's the one thing that we definitely got to work on. I mean, second game obviously did a little bit better with the win, but you know, it just sucks because we definitely this was a, definitely a very gettable sweep. Could have definitely won, you know, five straight at this point and really done well for the CCHA standings. But I mean, what else are you gonna do other than just re- get ready for the next game?
1: I mean, it, it's been a Ferris theme throughout the entire season is just giving up a little bit late um, mm-hmm. or giving it up. Um, yeah, we're not the whole, saying, we're yeah, not the, saying the guys thing.
0: are giving up whatsoever. Yeah. It's just we struggled in the third period. Yeah, third when, period, kind of rough.
1: When you're two in the hole coming into a second period and you're able to rip off three straight goals and take the lead heading into the third and then you get sloppy, you take two penalties in the third, which you cannot afford against a team like bowling green um and they will make you pay they will Mm -hmm. burn you and that's what happened two power play goals to take the lead in the third period uh and it was just too late for the bulldogs to get another spark going right at the end um it's unfortunate that it's been going on the entire season um but obviously they they learned from that in the next game and came back a, a little harder yeah, that was, a sick. was, good that was a
2: sick OT goal in the second
1: game. Oh, yeah. Marshall
0: split the guy. Absolutely. Fantastic winner on Saturday's game where we ended up getting the 2-1 win and the extra two points in that one. I mean, it was a super a super fun game as far as just like the tenseness throughout the entirety of the game. I know me and Dylan were talking about how physical the game was. Um, yeah, there were 19 penalties in this game. Jeez. Yeah, It was rough. A couple game misconducts. It was a very interesting game because it was super physical and it never let up the entirety of the game. I mean, both teams came out pretty chippy and it stayed that way all night long. And it was just uh, the intensity, especially of what you said, Joe, about the standings. And, I mean, um, Dylan has definitely analyzed those and he'll go over those in a minute here about how big some of these games are coming up, especially the fact that, like, we're within one point of Lake State and Northern to potentially jump into the top five spot. And, I mean, based off of some of the the, the schedules we have coming up for some mm-hmm. of the other teams that are above there, I mean, some of those teams are going to be reachable, like Bowling Green. So, uh, I mean, definitely when you look at the fact that we were one of five uh, on the power play, but we held Bowling Green to one of four, I mean, that's a definite improvement from the night before. But, I mean, the biggest thing that I saw was just the fact of like we did, we locked it down in the third period because then again, I mean, we scored in the second, right? And that's been that's been the mo as we get it. We we'll start off a little slow, get it back in a second, but what happens in the third? And I mean, we give up that power play goal, and it's like, uh oh, here we go again, type of a. But then the guys locked it down really well. They did a great job defensively and, and found themselves in good positions to make stops. So that was huge, and just the fact of, yeah, Marshall Moyes, he was due for that one. I mean, that was a definite. Definitely yeah, a big been a, time. It's been
2: a while since uh, he's gotten on the scorecard.
0: Yeah, he's been one of our, our most predominant scorers in, you know, on this roster. And just the fact that he had gone so long without putting one in the net, I mean – just the fact, though, everyone that was talking about is, yeah, he's due. He's he's yeah. too talented of a goal scorer to not have scored so so long in all these many games. But good to see him get the OT winner, and it's good to see the Dongs stealing two points. It would have mm-hmm. loved to have been three, but yeah. hey, we'll take two.
2: Bowling Green had 41 minutes of penalty. yeah That's yes. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Overall. That's incredible. 11 infractions for 41 minutes.
0: Yes, because they had two game misconducts. Yeah, that's, right. that's 20 by itself right game? there. Well, I mean, that guy got contact to the head. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, he get ejected or no? It was a contact. Or there was, so it was a contact. In, he shoved him headfirst into, like, shoved him like, shoved? from behind. Oh, I can't remember who it was off the top of I my head. I think it was Michaelian. I think it oh, yeah. might have been, Wait, yeah. Which one? And, uh... Well, I think it was it would have Justin been Brendan because I Brendan? think Justin was scratched yeah, from that game. Been, oh yeah. So yeah, was yeah it was a na- like he he pushed him straight that man head first into the board. So Dang. it was it was not pretty. It was a scary moment because they I were, do that. So, yeah. So but was, he down, was, was down.
1: He was down for a while. He was he was oh. writhing on the ice for a good couple minutes while they were. It, it, yeah, it was it was a hard scene. Yeah. Good
2: thing they won that because I think. Good way to come back, I guess, from that.
0: That's he, rough. Yeah, it was it was a scary moment, but I mean he got back up and I mean he got an assist in this game, so I mean he he really contributed down the back end. So That's um, awesome. I mean we saw Logan Stein back in that and yeah, he was great, thirty two of thirty three in the save count. And I mean it's really good to see him back in his his prominent, her prominent performance just because, I mean, we've seen Noah Giesbrecht a lot and he's been kind of the hot man, but just being able to see Logan get back in there and put together a pretty good performance has to give him some confidence moving forward.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's good for him to be able to get this win, especially be able to hold it out because there's so many times where it's been close like this, where it's been one one two two or something like that. And it gets that overtime and he kind of gets held out to dry. And a lot of people look at, you know, Logan for losing the game and stuff. But, like, there's so many times where he's been able to have, like, you know a 95% save percentage it's just he gets left out to dry on those you know one time across the ice or he gets screened a little bit and the defense might not be doing their job and of course I mean when he gets to that point it gets a little bit you know disheartening for him but it's good that he's able to you know hold it out get the get the win after sitting on the bench for a couple of times letting Gearsbrecht do his thing but you know it's good for him especially you know being young being so good and stuff like that but just want to hear some scores from around the CCHA this weekend? Absolutely, Joe. Give us your scoreboard. Lakes Pier State took on Northern, the two teams that were right behind. They. Came out really hot firing 6-1 in the first game, but didn't get the sweep split with them 2-1 in the second game. So kind of what we had. Hey, that's
0: good for us. So, yeah, pretty good for us.
2: Uh, Minnesota State took on the budding Arizona State Sun Devils program. They got the sweep 4-2 and then 5-3. Bemidji State then fell both times to Michigan Tech. That's pretty surprising. They're on a little bit of a four-game skid. Hate to see that. Ferris does that to people. Michigan Tech won 5-2 and then 5-2 both times. And, of course, we won. Or we got the split, so. and, <laughs> and of we course are we won. About, yeah,
0: that's all that matters. Yeah, that's interesting though. I mean, Bemidji State. I'll tell you what. Like that team, like came in like they were a dominant team, and then we ended up getting the sweep at their place. They haven't played well since. I'm pretty I'm, sure they're like top ten at the start of
1: the season. Yeah, right? that's, oh yeah, were, like, that's, a good, uh, that's a good hockey team. They've been getting uh, votes for I think top twenty. Mm-hmm. They, they have a couple of them. It's Whoa. been yeah going down. Obviously, well, I yeah. think
2: that, well, when I looked at the standings like at the start of the year, like. Every other than St. Thomas, like every single Minnesota hockey program was like in the top twenty-five.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: it's Minnesota. I mean, yeah, yeah it's I mean the they state have the state of hockey though. Yeah,
2: the but ice freezes outside from like, you know. October to March basically. Their entire mm-hmm.
0: state
1: is a practice rink. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: land at 10,000 likes. Yeah, know? that's just the way it is, but no, I mean, it's definitely crazy to see how like the the standings have evolved in some of these teams. I mean, like Bemidji State, I would still consider a top 25 team. I don't know exactly where they are in the rankings at this moment, but I mean, they're 11 and 9 in the CCHA. I mean, that just shows how tough this conference really is because I mean, across the board, you have Michigan Tech is 11 and 5 in conference play. They're second. If you come back down to us, we're technically in seventh right now. We're eight and twelve. That's literally only a three-game difference as far as wins are concerned. Mm-hmm. So that just give that just attests to how great this hockey conference is. But I mean, the I'll, you take the rankings though with a grain of salt because I think Lake Superior was also in the reserve spot at one point during the season. And yeah, they've only won eight games in the mm-hmm. conference. So yeah, they did beat Minnesota State though. Well, kinda. <laughs> not really, but yeah, kinda. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that that Minnesota State team was not healthy when they played mm-hmm. them. That was the interior of the joke. But I mean it's
2: rivalry week though for for a certain two teams. Arguably the heatest rivalry in D one hockey. Yes, Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan gonna be at the MAC. Yeah, that one's gonna be crazy. I'm looking for that. That's happening tomorrow, though. That is happening. You know, it was supposed to happen like a week ago, but then it got postponed.
0: Yeah, it was. It's true. But a lot of good games coming up. We're on bye, so we will not be in action until next week. We're going up to the Sioux to play Lake State. So those are that's winna- two winnable games right there, especially to flip. Sweet and, baby, and potentially put in a scenario where we can now move up into the CCHA standings. Because I mean, we would love to have home ice for the playoffs and i mean it is reachable it is it's a little out there but it is reachable
1: yeah um (laughs) there's a lot of volatility so with ferris state in seventh right now uh they can easily jump uh lake superior state uh northern michigan as uh lake superior state and Ferris are tied with uh
0: yeah and i think they're only ahead just based off of the the goal's the goal category, I believe, if that's the difference, right, seventy-six to seventy-one. Sure. Yeah, yeah, mean. but I mean, difference. It's still not close because we've allowed a lot more goals. So,
1: but I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting <laughs> getting shelled by uh, Minnesota State didn't help.
0: No, that does, yeah. that never no. helps. It's it's not 14, at all. That's
1: fourteen to one. Yeah, that's then. a thirteen-goal differential right there. But uh, bypass no. the
0: point. Bypass the point.
1: Yeah, if, that's ridiculous. If Ferris can go up to the Sioux and get a sweep on like Superior, then that'll. Put us ahead in the standings, um, but it can also have us jump Northern Michigan in yeah. one mm-hmm. go.
0: Especially with the rivalry because you know that it's it's pro- there's a good chance that 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 series ends if in a split.
2: If they're at the MAC, I think it's going to probably be. Yeah, I mean it's only one. I think it's only one game. I think if I saw that right, but because I think they played the first one, but then Michigan Tech won that one. I think. Yeah, unless it's both that happened later on this week, but if it's at the mac michigan yes. tech's uh yes michigan tech crowd is probably i mean if you know fair sports we are very vocal and uh, the fans do not, the fans do not mind uh, shouting some expletives at the refs. And Michigan Tech is basically the same thing. Okay, so Bowling
0: Green was at pretty the ruthless Mac, over the weekend too. I'm not gonna just sit back and let that flow by. That yeah, needs to be true. pointed out. They but, were awful.
2: Uh, Michigan Tech, especially when they're at the MAC and they, they got that student section rolling and they got their season ticket holders, they're like. That place is crazy, and I think that's gonna be tough for Northern Mission because you know they have a great fan base, and I mean it's not super far that they have to go. I think it's only like a two-hour drive between the two of them, but still, like those two teams, like no love lost. They hate each other. Like it's almost as bad as Grand Valley Fair State. Like that's basically the it's up there. That's like the magnitude of the rivalry. So it's gonna be a good one. I'm pretty excited. I'm probably gonna watch that one on flow hockey. So
0: it's gonna be a good one. But all we're saying it's possible, but we possible. gotta get to... Michigan gotta Tech's got to it.
2: win, no, in Lake we got to sweep Lake State. In two yes, weeks.
0: that's the job. Let's go do it. Two weeks, ooh, Friday ooh, Saturday. Ooh. Even though most fans will not travel up to watch, but you can, as Joe mentioned, watch on Flow Hockey TV. That's true. Watch all the Bulldog action. Well, you got to pay for that. So <laughs> true, but it is for all D one college hockey though. That so. is true though.
2: So I mean, you so you could watch I mean.
0: Michigan and Michigan State hypothetically. That is true. So hey, it could be worth it. I mean, I feel like I'm now I'm on a I'm endorsing. I'm endorsing for ball hockey now. I'm balling on a budget
2: though. So doing the uh, national yeah, so sports here. Like yeah,
0: just a c- casual promo, casual promo. But anyway, moving over now to the hardwood Fair State at Wayne State in Detroit. Got the sweep between the men's and the women's will start on the men's side. A 75-60 to 60 victory over the Warriors, who really are still bouncing back. I mean, they had that coaching change earlier in the season, and uh-huh. they've just really been struggling since right now. But, I mean, they played us tough only, a 33-30 first half. I mean, we definitely did not shoot the ball that well in the first half. I mean, we still were like 41% from three, but 61% or, excuse me, 36%, 36.1. That's where I got my, my like dyslexia messed up right there. Yeah. But um, the I mean, definitely a much better second half. I mean, we took care of the basketball a little bit better. Um, but I mean, overall, I mean, we played, def- we played our defense very well. Uh, and Wayne State really wasn't able to hit from outside. So you got to credit our defense from that. And I mean, really, it's just, Win one, move on to the next game. I mean, that's really all this team's doing now. We've beaten conference opponents 11 straight times, and we're not looking to slow down at any point.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, sadly, I wasn't at this game, I haven't, especially at the Thursday game, too. I wasn't being able to make any of those. But, you know, it's great to see that we're still rolling in the GLIAC. I think it's really going to set us up well, I mean, especially with us being kind of in the second half now uh, officially being able to play these games and I mean a 15 point win over Wayne State like Wayne State's usually like I mean they're near the lower part of the GLIAC but they're a team that usually is pretty solid from three and they're a team that can you know really really throw a wrench in you especially at home they're a team that you know regardless of the record you gotta be wary of them and I think for us to now be 11 I know it's gonna be a good uh, spot for us to go against Davenport we haven't played them yet so far this season so I think they're gonna be you know kind of the kickoff of you know an actual test you know I mean, they're going to be coming home, so it's not going to be too bad. Uh, but, you know, if we got guys who are able to, you know, fill it up, if we got Dorian Lee, I mean, Ethan, all those guys are able to really light it up. And coming off the bench, too, I think we're going to have enough depth to be able to defeat those guys. So coming especially to uh, Wink Arena, it's going to be solid. It's going to be rocking. It is Thursday, so, I mean, I'm not sure how many people are going to be there. I'm going to be there. Brandon, you're going to
0: be there. It's going to be a good time. Hopefully, yeah.
2: I mean, you might have something going
0: on. But... I have class, but we'll see how I mean, that goes. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, I have class, too, but That's true. But hey, sometimes priorities. Hopefully, no teachers are listening to this. Anyway, yeah, hopefully, uh, Stack isn't (laughs) tuning into this episode. (laughs) No, we'll be fine after that class. I have a 6 p.m. class. That's where you I have get, a 6 p.m. class. Yeah, that's where I get screwed. But right. that's that's a whole nother can of worms. We'll just bypass <laughs> that at the moment. But yeah, uh, one thing I did also notice: this game was really like stop, start, stop, slow. A lot of fouls, a lot of free throws. So uh, I mean, you definitely like look at um, if you like were chance looking up on the scoring chart, and you're like, "Whoa, these numbers look really weird." Because because no, that's how slow the game was. There was just not a whole lot of shots. There's a lot of fouls. It was very physical, but. Got the job done, and that's the kind of the nice thing that I have noticed over. Like, because I mean, we're a really good free-flowing team. That's one of the biggest things that has helped us with success in the prominence of the 17-18 team was being able to use, um, especially the fast break, the counterattack on the offensive side to get open mm-hmm. looks. So we're used to playing at a really fast pace, but just the fact that we still were able to get slowed down a little bit. I mean, credit to Wade State. they slowed us down a little bit, but we were still able to get back to that or get back to our playing style. And still be able to succeed despite the really the the change in tempo and the change in speed and just the how the game went. Um, not the basically, what I'm trying to say we won in a in a pretty dominant fashion. I mean, 15 points is definitely one you can say. Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty one sided win. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can still say like it wasn't the best style of play that we play at, but we still got the W right. What's the expression, Joe? Sloppy, uh, uh, sloppy, sloppy W. Sloppy W is better than a clean L. Bingo, exactly. So that's kind of how this game went. And, I mean, just the fact of it is... We're 11 and 0, no, and that's all you can say about that. But Logan Ryan, 18 points, four boards in this one. Dorian and Louis, <laughs> Walt Kelschich with 12 and 11. Lee had 14. Ben Davidson, 10 off the bench as well. Uh, Scholler, Jimmy Scholler, eight rebounds, two assists. He did not score a single point, but that's not his job. That's not in his job description. So yeah, that's true. It'll be a little bit confusing on the box score, but Jimmy Scholler is an awesome player as well. Assist guy, assist guy only. Assist guy first, and then sometimes those are the people that you need to make a team successful. Mm-hmm.
2: And we got got quite a hefty little report to go for the scores from oh around boy. the Gleak, especially since every team played on Thursday and Saturday. <laughs> Please so Please
0: tell me, the one, up, it's Please tell me the one team uh, lost.
2: Please tell me the one on team lost. On Thursday, though, Wayne State did uh, get the W against Lake Superior State, so 68-60. to They're able to split the weekend. Michigan Tech beat Northwood 89-48. Uh, we beat Saginaw Valley State 82-71 to earlier on. Uh, Purdue Northwest then fell to Davenport 56-84. That's a big loss. I hate to see it. Uh, and then Parkside getting the W over Grand Valley. Yes! Grand Valley is falling apart, seventy-eight Let's to sixty-seven. Go. And then on Saturday, the fun, or a couple days later, Northern Michigan gets the W against Northwood. They can't get a win over the weekend, seventy-seven to fifty-nine. Uh, we beat Wayne State as we already mentioned earlier, seventy-five to sixty. Saginaw Valley then picked up a W against Lake Superior State, 79-67. to Clean W, Grand Valley bounced back. Pretty close one, though, 89-80 to against Purdue Northwest. And oh. then Parkside kept the train rolling, 95-73 victory over Davenport. And we got some pretty good games coming up later on that we'll talk
0: about later on next episode. That's a slip-up. For GV, that's a slip-up. Yeah, that ain't good. Let eight me tell against you what. Park, Eight against Parkside, and then they lost to Northwest. Yeah, they ain't good. Or was it flip-flop? One of the other, I mean, they still. Lost
2: to, they lost to Northwest. Yes. And then,
0: then they only then beat Parkside, Parkside by yes. like eight. That's a slip-up. ain't great. Let me tell you what. Ooh. Not pretty.
2: No, they're, I think, eight and three now. I Ye- mean, they're still second. I don't no, Seven and four. Michigan Tech is eight and three. You I mean, know. Not great for them. They lost it. to us, and they're really falling apart a little bit. Say huh. it, Joe. Huh? Anchor down, baby. Thank oh well. you. Anchor down. Yes, sir. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, moving
0: on over to the women's side, they also got the W this weekend. Revenge fashion down and Detroit 73 65. The final score this team beat us in one of, or not one of our finest performances oh, a couple weeks ago when they beat us, I believe it was 60 to 45. Comeback season with a nice win. Uh, I definitely saw a lot of things from this game that we hadn't necessarily seen from this team in. Over a couple of the past games, I mean, we shot pretty pretty darn well from 3, 45%. Uh, hitting free throws was big in this game. 16 of 22, 72% overall. And that came in clutch, especially since, um, I mean, Wayne State, we knew, is a good rebounding team. They out-rebounded us in this one. But, I mean, really, looking down the stretch with, I mean, uh, such a close game... That you saw a lot of good or a lot of big time playmakers show out. I mean, Zoe Anderson definitely one of them. Two of two from three, eight points in the fourth quarter. Caden Blanchard also with eight points. I mean, those two really came in clutch in the final frame. So the fact that it is, I mean, now we're eight and four. Now we're climbing up the standings, and now we've over we've actually flipped over Wayne State, who's now seven and four in the GLIAC with this win. So that's a good win. I mean, for this program. And I mean just the fact that this team has done so well in uh, opposing environments, I think really speaks to the test. Cause I mean, we know how great of a team they are at home, but I mean, getting some road wins has been big. I mean, this one certainly certainly is one of them. So, I mean, and we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of bench play in this game, just how, just how the game flowed. And I mean, we still, we still got the job done. So you got to give credit to the starters for, uh, I mean, really playing a fantastic game. Yeah, for
2: sure. It's pretty sick. I mean, we, I'm, like I said, wasn't there. So I can't really give too much of a statistical or like an analytical approach to it. But I mean, looking at it, I mean, it's a good bounce back game. Uh, We love to see it, especially going into, I mean, Davenport coming up uh, this weekend or especially on Thursday, uh, later on this week, it's going to be a pretty solid. And I mean, when you look at the box score too, it's pretty, it's pretty nice to see a lot of people are, are a lot of girls are able to, you know, get on the scoreboard and get some, get some solid points on there. I mean, you know, Five or four people over double digits, and then kind of clean up the scraps a little bit throughout the throughout the bench too. I mean, it's great to see, especially when <clears throat> you're getting on a later part of the season. You're able to get you know your your cer your certified buckets that are able to you know fill it up a little bit. But to see that some people on the bench are able to put it in as well is really great to see, especially when you get to those times where you might have some of your starters go down. You might need your starters to take a little bit of a load management and take a game off. Uh, but regardless, it's great to see.
0: Yeah, and I mean, definitely, if you were to ask anybody like who the hottest player on this team was going into this game, it was Adrian Anderson. She had been leading the, the team in scoring the last couple of games. She only had five points in this game, and the rest of the starters responded in a big way. Zoe Anderson yeah, had 20. Up. Chloe Adoni had 13 points. Camille, Mallory McCartney with 13.7 rebounds. Kane Blanchard had 11, eight of them, as I mentioned, in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, really, the production has been great across the board. And, I mean, we're definitely going to see those games where everyone's going to be needed. Everyone's going to be needed to step up. So uh, this is a good stepping stone, right? We had a couple, just a couple of a stretch. Uh, a couple of games over over this road stretch, I can't talk today, that have really given us some fits. But now the just ability to get out on the road and get the win, I think just really, really gives us that bump up uh, that we need confidence-wise to go up, especially going into the second time around now that we're going to have to play some of those tougher teams on the road once again. So uh, definitely really good to see, and we're going to see this team back in action, as Joe mentioned, on Thursday, as well as the men's team going to take it on Davenport. And then Saturday is the big one. Bring GV down to wink. Let them have it. Yes, so that, I'm those, really sad
2: I'm not gonna be able to make that
0: game. Oh, I yeah. will be there, but I might not be there Thursday game. So maybe we maybe we'll flip flop. We'll, we'll yeah, see what goes on. Now, now our minds are clicking right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Monday, Davenport's gonna play the men's team now for the rescheduled game. So we're gonna yeah, play Davenport gonna twice in four days. <clears throat> Very yeah, that's interesting. Be crazy. Very interesting. Yeah. Some but,
2: scores from around the Gliac for the women's side. Yes, send it. All right, let's get wrapped in and get ready to go. Uh, Wayne State, they topped Lake Superior State 75-50, to 50, able to get some of their first wins on the women's side. Uh, Northwood Timberwolves, big dog in town, 10-point uh, victory over Michigan Tech. Huskies, 91-81. to 81. Grand Valley Park the boat on the Parkside Rangers, 67-34. to 34, Quick little 30-burger win for them. <laughs> Uh, Purdue Northwest beat Davenport sixty-eight to fifty-five. Northwood on Saturday, top uh, Northern Michigan seventy-eight to seventy-five. They hosted them. Uh, Saginaw Valley then uh, had to travel all the way up to the Sioux to take on Lake Superior State. Didn't matter. They also dropped a quick little thirty-piece on them, seventy-three to thirty-three. Parkside then got the redemption against Davenport the uh, same day, sixty-seven, sixty-six. That was a close one. Great, uh, great to see. And then Grand Valley State. Kept up with their reputation of being the top of the GLIAC. Only one loss on the year, but that didn't matter. Against the pride of Purdue Northwest, 64-40 to final score. Those are your scores from around the GLIAC.
0: There it is. A lot of, a lot of interesting uh, results that we're starting to see now that teams are starting to play second time around. You can see, ooh, here come the coaching adjustments. Here, come, here comes that revenge tour. So definitely fun to see. But finally... Out with the Ferris State Sports Report, the track team was at the Bill Klinger Classic down in her friends in Allendale. Friends, of course, mean quotation marks um, behind enemy lines, you would say. But had some pretty good performances. Uh, I mean, I think overall the team was... Uh, I think pleased. Uh, there was some definitely some um, some notable performances. Uh, I think overall, I think we have. There's still a lot to. There's a lot of good potential with this team. I know personally, a lot of the, a lot of my teammates are really looking to excel and get those breakout performances that we haven't quite had yet. But that's good because we need those in the conference championships coming up at the end of the month of February. But some notable results here. Um, two top or top three individuals in the field events. Claudia Wilkinson was fifth in the high jump, Uh, Emma Stefan fifth, and Brianna Copley sixth in the shot put, or weight throw and shot put, respectively, excuse me, Uh, Hannah Brock finished seventh in the mile with a 519, Amelia Topolinski seventh in the 5K with a 1921, a PR for her, congrats, Uh, Paige Dietering 10th in the 5K, as well as Claudia Wilkinson 11th in the 60 hurdles um the 4x4 four four team and up finishing 10th out of i think was a i want to say a 20 or 20 it was there was so many relay teams it was kind of ridiculous by the end of the night but i mean i guess that's just how the meet went but um uh ray lee finished 5th in the 60 uh, Randall Cook 5th in the 400, Dakota Simpson 8th in that event as well. Donis Harris came 10th in the 3K with an 8.32. We could be talking to him on the show. He has this little sneak peek for you. Um, and Casey Bowman got, got 12th with a 15.48 in the 5K. And our men's 4x4 finished 5th overall with a 3.30 season best. So congrats to them. Uh, We'll be back for the big meet and possibly my return. looking forward to it. Got that state circled on my calendar February 11th. Very excited. And really going to be a fun time for track coming up in the month of February because it's game time. Got big meet, which is going to be a huge, huge test for us. And then on tune-up and then obviously – GLIAC Championships, where trophies are won. But you can find all that information out at FerrisStateBulldogs.com. But we'll take a quick break. When we come back, NFL Talk. Did Tom Brady really retire and how the Chiefs threw away their chance for a Super Bowl? Stay tuned. Podcasting is fun. Being able to chat with your friends on air about all of your favorite topics, whether it's entertainment, news, politics, sports, or culture, that can be fun. What's not so fun? Getting your podcast out there for people to hear. Luckily, That's what Anchor.fm is best at. Be able to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, including recording options and exclusive customization tools that you can even do on your phone. For more information to start your own podcast today, visit Anchor.fm. That's Anchor.fm.
2: Now hopping in, we're going to talk about the NFL Conference Championships that happened over the weekend. It was a win-win for me. Happy to see it. I don't got to see Jackson Mahomes in, uh whatever her name is. <laughs> Brittany. Uh, in, yeah, Brittany oh. in the in the Super Bowl. You know, Joe Shiesty and Money McPherson got the dub over the, over them. I mean, I'll see Stafford in the Super Bowl as well. It's going to be a great one for me. But, boys, we'll start off with the first one. Bengals and Chiefs, 27-24. Bengals, Money McPherson is too cold. Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, he's able to lead them. Jamar Chase as well. Guys, that was a crazy game. OT. I stand corrected. I guess when you lose the coin toss, you won't always lose the game. But that's incredible to see. Bengals got the win. What was your guys' thoughts on it?
0: Hey, the coin flip doesn't always yeah. bring out There's the never, outcome. The Not always. Is, though, the thing is though, Not no, no I mean, team,
2: no team has won two overtimes in the postseason though. So yeah, I was
1: like, exactly. when I saw that, I was like, mm, I don't don't like two overtimes Uh-oh. in a row, or two, uh, or just, two overtimes just, in the postseason. Oh, Yeah. Oof.
0: So like it was in a row. winning one and one in the next round and then you go and I they, they would again, definitely though. lose. That's what that's what they're saying. You don't yeah. win two in a row. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But yeah, I mean overall this game was certainly looked like it was going to be lopsided early and I mean cuz I I mean really it just comes down to what was what was Kansas City doing at the what end happened, of the half. What
2: happened? in the second half for them, dude? That like,
0: that that I honestly think that that play Definitely would have been the catalyst that kind of sent them in their down spiral because I mean you look at where they were I mean you're inside you're inside the 10 with like I don't know what is it like 15 10 seconds left I mean you run the first play you throw it in the dirt it's like okay take three you're gonna be up 27 To what was it 10 at that point or was it? Yeah, it was 10. I was right 27 10 going into the half and you just scored you have the momentum and you're going to get the ball but they, they they got a little greedy, and mm-hmm. I mean, they got a little too cute with the play calls, and I mean, even Mahomes said that he threw to Hill, and that was not going to be their first read, and I mean, that, that really just that gave it away, and that gave the Bengals so much momentum, because then after that moment, punt, punt, pick, punt, punt, and then they get the field goal to send it to overtime, and it's pick, compared to... Yeah, touchdown, a touchdown, a touchdown, and then it would have could have been another touchdown, mm-hmm. but it could, should have been a field goal. But what was it actually? Goose egg, nothing. And what was the final score, by the way? Twenty-seven to twenty-four. Oh, mm-hmm. I was on a uh, TikTok, so they
2: would have won the game at that point. I was on TikTok at halftime, and uh, there was a video that came up, and it was like Patrick Mahomes is like solidified himself as like one of the best quarterback or like the best quarterback in the game. Three Oops. TDs, like, already 200 yards in the first half. And I commented, I like, don't speak too soon there, Big Hoss. Yeah. And then um, I came back to the video uh-uh. after the game was lost. And every like I had, like, I think it was, like, 2,000 likes on it or something like that. Ooh. But it was funny, though, because he was just like, the Chiefs are going to win it. And I was like, dude, I don't know about that. Joe Burrow is pretty nasty with it, but that's crazy. I mean, that's the thing, though. Can't, like, Patrick Mahomes, he had such a good first half, which he just played really well. And then it just seemed like he just couldn't really – Get anything materialized. The Bengals defense really started to pick it up and like pressure him a little bit. One thing I think they need to do for the Super Bowl is definitely work on their linebackers. Kind of like if there's if Patrick Mahomes scrambling, their linebackers got to come up and give him and you know get some pressure on him because there's a lot of times where he was able to scramble and you know get two or three yards after you know the pocket collapsing and some linemen chasing after him. Patrick Mahomes is going to outrun every lineman that comes across him. you got to have the linebackers come in and take it. And my dad was talking to me about that, too. He was like getting really mad about it. I was like, I mean, but they won. So it wasn't too big a deal. But when it came down to it, Bengals came out, came in hard. That was pretty great to see.
1: During that second half, um, especially on that final drive where they were forced to take that field goal, mm-hmm. Mahomes' decision-making was suspect. Yeah, he, yeah it was not good. It was. Especially especially on that um, last drive to get the field goal. They were set up, what, in 10, 25? They were in the red zone. And instead of just throwing it away, taking a couple yards, he is rushing back and forth in the pocket and trying to find a receiver open. And instead of just saving time, he just he takes a sack and yeah. backs backs him up uh, 10 yards, around yeah. 10 yards. Almost
2: fumbled it too.
1: Yeah, he. uh, Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think they right label it seventeen yards. Seventeen yards. He lost seventeen yards on the sack. Was
0: fifteen, and then the fumbled two more. But seventeen yard loss on third and goal at the nine. Ridiculous. At the nine.
1: Yeah. um, That especially in a lot of those situations, you'd you'd expect uh, Mahomes to dump it off to Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey just, just finds finds a weird way to get open, yeah, especially true. in Kelsey situations down like very that very often. <laughs> and it was it was one of the reasons they got down there that quick is because he had Kelsey and he was just hitting his his receivers, and then it just comes to a halt. And like Joe said, that Bengals defense showed up in the yes. second half. That was huge for them. Um, it, 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 it an exact replica almost of um, when they met in the regular season. It's exactly how you could have wanted it to go um, as somebody who works with or like for somebody who works in NFL ratings. That game was perfect for them.
0: Yes, it really was. I mean, the fact of the way that this game went, you were like, there's no way that it happens again when the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Like, no, it doesn't happen again. I even said it. I thought that when this game started, I was like, oh, yeah, but the secondary wasn't ready. Because, I mean, you go up to this game and you played Oakland. What's their pass offense? Not very good. You go play Tennessee. Yeah, it's run Henry to the ground until they he
1: actually until breaks Tanael one. Until Tannehill throws an interception.
0: Yeah, so he throws three interceptions. So you're like, is this going to be, like, because they're not used to it. And then they come out and they score 21 points. I was like,
1: oh, all right.
0: Now I, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, I got made the call. And then the second half happens. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This Bengals secondary. Oh, my gosh, they're pressuring. What? Whoa, this defense is actually playing for something, it seems like. They're not just trying to ride Joe Burrow train all the way through, which, I mean, not a bad train to ride on. But, I mean, when the defense is helping, this team is incredible. i got to give credit to this Bengals defense because – they were the number one reason that I was not like, yeah, Bengals is a Super Bowl contender. I don't see it. And that was the reason why. The offense is great. I mean, we've seen what T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase can do, especially with Joe Mixon in the backfield. Like, this, this offense was great. It was really sucked to see Azuma go down early in that game because he's a pivotal piece in there. But, I mean, having other guys as well, like Perrine, that really can bring a spark. And, I mean, really, the fact... That this team made it this far, I think, has really changed how teams now are going to view the entirety of a rebuild. Because the fact of it is, is a lot of teams are looking at their where they are as far as rebuilding is concerned. And I mean, you got a guy like Zach Taylor that really s- started this position in '19, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is over. Like this guy's awful." And, I mean, he went six and twenty-five in his first two years. In this in this era. Like, if he would have did this almost a year later, he's fired. From what we've seen already from these last... Like, Brian... The the fact is, you would have fired Zach Taylor two years ago way faster than Brian Flores. No question about it, right? Okay. But they trusted him. They got Burrow. And this, this snap is put together. One of the best seasons that we've seen. And now, I mean, they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, that just really... Puts in mind, like you have to trust the process, and it's gonna be gross. But it's when cra- you have the right pieces, it's going to work. It's crazy that
2: three years ago they were last in the league. Like yep. that, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that they made that turnaround that yeah. fast, and they made all the right decisions. Like it's like one in a million. You never see this. Like I don't think that there's ever been a time across any major sport that like a team has gone from literally the worst to playing on the biggest stage like less than five years later. Like, I don't think it's ever happened before.
0: No. I think you have to argue that Jamar Chase over Penei Swell was the perfect pick for both franchises. I think so, yeah. I think yeah. cuz if it's the other way okay. around, I mean, I this team just speculation on paper looks like like I would say like an 8-9 team. Yeah. yeah. They're they're like average Joe's. It it's would almost it'll like.
2: be like a it's like a. Win. It's good that like we have Pena, that the t- lions have Penesu well, and that they have Jamar Chase. But I mean,
1: yeah, if, yeah. like
2: you switch around, it still would be fine. Like their off. Bengals offensive line would be that much better. Like he probably wouldn't be pressured as much, and we'd have a, a receiver Chase. to.
0: But you gotta cut the
2: St. Brown. But I mean, still
0: Jared Goff to. Jamar Chase and not same as Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean they have the stats would become completely on I, I think that's
2: why they chose him is yeah. because like they already had that connection, they already had that chemistry. Being from LSU, they have not lost a play. I mean I'm not gonna say anything too soon. Oof. I'll probably knock on wood after. <laughs> yeah, but there's a stat line that said they have not lost a playoff game, uh, in LSU or in the, uh, or they have not lost a playoff game together
0: in both the NFL and college. Nope. Oh. And now, there it is. Now he's going to have to do it I'm again. I'm pretty sure
1: that, that door is wood. I'm, I'm not close it. enough.
0: It looks like wood. It's painted wood. Yeah, it makes it's it's good enough, but I mean, this is crazy. I mean, just to put it all in perspective. How many people picked the Bengals at the beginning of the year to win the Super Bowl? Not a lot. Not many. Not many, not and look where they are. And San Francisco almost got there, but they ran into our friend Matthew Stafford, who has delivered the Rams a chance for a home field Super
2: Bowl. He's got the – the Rams have the city of Detroit behind him. We got Matthew Stafford playing. We got Eminem at halftime. It's like – it's just Detroit in, in in Los Angeles. So that's basically it. I mean, he's going to have the whole – if you're a Lions fan and you're not rooting for the Rams, I don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah. That's just the one thing. It's like Stafford, to win this, would basically shut up all those haters that he's had since the start of his career saying – He's not actually a good quarterback. It's just he's been playing around so many bad people that he looks incredible. And it's like, no, he's a guy who's able to lead them to that point. Don't even look at me like that, Dylan. Don't even look at me like that. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. He, he is. is he's he a Hall of Famer and arguably one of the
1: best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Oh, he is, for sure. However, for this season, Matt Stafford concerns me. As, as good as he is on this Rams team, and he has great receivers, he has Odell, he has Cup. Um, he's got a defense around him that is going to make noise and could possibly disrupt and bring out that concern about the Bengals' mm-hmm. online. He has been the best, and but the, my biggest concern for the Rams, um, his he he's he's been pick-prone, and I, that really came out against the Titans in the regular season, where they lost. Um, Pretty, it, it was embarrassing it yeah, wasn't great. It wasn't, wasn't great. great. Um, it, it's, it's been uh, red zone interceptions mm-hmm. with Stafford, and that can be a make-or-break thing. It's been coming down to the wire. It came down to the wire against San Francisco, where they just escaped uh, on a field goal. You can't afford that going against Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and I, I I like the point that you made, because I think a lot of people, I mean, analysts can certainly say this, like, we love Matthew Stafford. He's top 10 quarterback in almost every book, in any analyst book across the NFL. There's no question about it. What he has shown this year is that he's not afraid to sling it. And where did he get that tendency from, right? Detroit. Exactly. So, the fact is, it's like, the natural instinct is, you gotta force it, because back in Detroit it was like the interception's not gonna it's 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 not gonna do anything right it's like just as good as a punt basically for what our defense was early on in the 2010s to 2014s because you gotta admit the defense was good mm-hmm. so that, but now it's almost like the last couple of years it's been like all right dude just make the throw I mean your best chance is for to make that risk throw and it get through and we make a big play rather than just actually playing fundamental football right that's how it, that's how it's really been for him but I mean, the fact is, of uh, he's still kind of playing that way, but like sometimes he doesn't have to play that way anymore, right? Because I mean, we saw what this defense did in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, they were locked down. They I mean, it's a awesome. habit; it's a
2: habit that he's been developing since you know the start of his career, which is not right. like the easiest thing to break. Because I mean, yeah, I'll say that he has been pick prone, like basically the his whole career. Like he throws, I'd say a good amount more than everybody else. But like you said, it's because in the line or when he's playing for Lions, it's like, oh well. If I throw a pick that's twenty yards down the field, it's going to be the same thing as if we pump because they're going to get a twenty-yard return anyways. However, I think the thing too is he makes almost two or three no look passes a game. Oh yeah. That that's a big thing. However, more often than not, though, that's something that you know defenses aren't expecting. And that's something that he can pull out of his pocket when he needs to. And I think yeah, that's one thing he does use it a little bit too much. I don't. Like it's sick for when you want to put up a highlight reel and you want to make an Instagram post for the sport or for for SportsCenter or whatever. You want to say like, oh, my gosh, how does he do this? But when it comes down to it, there's a lot of times where he does mess up. However, I think when you look at it, especially in this Super Bowl, and you need a guy, if it comes down to the point where, you know, they need a last second drive or, you know, there's a minute left or he's hurt or he needs to really bring this team together, the grit that he has and the amount of leadership qualities that he has to bring this team from the depths, if need be, I don't want anyone else other than Matt Stafford in that position if they need to go down the field with a minute or if he needs to go down, put his head down and barrel over a guy to get a a two point or a two-yard uh, run to get the first down or something like that. There's nobody else that I would want for the Rams. And if you're a Rams fan, there's nobody else that you want to lead your team than Matt Stafford right now, especially going to the Super Bowl, because he wants this. The Aaron Donald wants this. The whole city of Detroit wants this. And I can definitely tell you that Matt Stafford is not going to stop this game. He he'll get. He's going to dislocate his shoulder or he'll get injured, but he's not going to stop. He's going to want
1: that ring. He's going to do everything he can to get it. I totally agree, but I'll say this, though. And just in general, not Matt Stafford. Yeah, If the Rams want to get that Super Bowl ring and get Matty Staff a a ring and Aaron Donald a ring and Ramsey a ring and all these guys a ring that have absolutely every tool they need to get a ring there, Mm -hmm. they need to clean up the mistakes. Yes. yeah, The red zone picks from Stafford. um, You saw it a lot in the Buccaneers-Rams game uh, a week ago. And we're not when that's including even the tart drop that changed the whole entirety of that game right there. That that's rough for them. Um,
2: Yeah, when he heaved that down the field, I was like, "Mm, that's a little bit too much time. Yeah, when I especially when he painted, I was like, this getting picked, it's game over. But he just like he ain't gonna have a job next year, (laughs) poor man. (laughs) He he in the the owner's office right now is getting chewed out, and he's like, yeah, you're out of here.
0: Uh, it's tough for them, but no, Dylan, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's been what's been the weakness of this team, right? Offense? No, no. It's they got a creative play caller and all the pieces. Defense? No, they got a juggernaut pass rush with an elite secondary. What's the problem? Mistakes. I, I would s-
1: say either uh, that mistakes that come from uh, putting a dependency on either the offense or the defense and not just having a balanced game throughout. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's and, times there's times where Jalen Ramsey kind of
2: like over commits one way or the other like he's kind of plays it so that way he'll either go full out for the interception or just kind of stay back and there's times where he gets kind of beat off the line a little bit kind of doing that i mean he's I, he's the best corner in the league but still he makes those mistakes i mean once or twice a game and you know one or two mistakes a game is like something that a lot of owners and a lot of coaches are thinking like that's a great player, but you know when are those going to come? And I think when you have it where you know Von Miller might not be playing super good and they're doubling Aaron Donald, then what's going to happen for that pass rush uh, and that you know making so that way they have to get Joe Burrow to scramble out of the pocket, which is going to be tough for them. And I mean, like you said with Matt Stafford, if he throws picks, and that's going to be tough. But you know, I think that they're going to be able to do it, especially seeing how bad the offensive line for the Bengals is. Even if they double Aaron Donald, I think Von Miller is going to be able to squeeze through. Their linebackers are so much better than what uh, the Chiefs had, I think. And I think it's just going to be the defense of the Rams is good enough to, even if they have a bad day, be able
1: to just stomp all over the offensive line. Oh, for sure. Um, The Rams' pass rush is arguably one of the best in the league, if not the best. Absolutely ridiculous. And that right there can break that um, connection between Jamar and uh, Burrow and make sure he has no time to throw mm-hmm. all the way downfield. Because it's to just going it, to be Jamar having to do short routes the whole time if it if it keeps collapsing. It, yeah. It's all about that contain mm-hmm. right there. So uh, they definitely have a chance. Um, I hope Stafford wins it. I hope Donald wins it. That entire team, arguably two of the most likable teams in the league.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so. especially like what everybody right
1: everybody wanted
2: at the start. Yes. Like, yes. at the start of the playoffs, everyone was just like, "We want either a Bills bank, like a Bills to make it, Bengals to make it, or the Rams to make it."
0: Yeah. And then you could probably, I think, people wanted the Packers to make it, in just because the Rodgers, yeah, team. the, the yeah. last, yeah, dance. that would be probably the other NFC team. Nobody wants Dallas in it. Nobody, nobody wanted Tampa Dallas. Bay in it. We nobody nobody wanted City. the Chiefs in it. Like those teams just went too much, you know. So no, it's gonna be a very likable Super Bowl. I think that's that's a very fair statement. I mean, great.
1: As a, as a Steelers fan, I feel like dirty for like not feeling <laughs> feeling <laughs> hurt that the Bengals <laughs> made it. Yeah, um, but. Joe Burrow is just so likable. Oh, he's yeah. such a cool guy, him and his Cartier buffs in yeah. the press conference glasses on everything. He's smoking this cigar. He's such a likable guy and he's so talented. And it's it's always nice to see that uh come back, especially after the knee injury he had. Yeah. It just feels wrong mm. for me to want to like to be able to like these guys. Yeah, you, as
2: much as you don't want to like him, you have to. That's you got to respect him, yeah, yeah. you got to respect him nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and he's not fake jewelry, guys. Come on. He's Joe no, Burrow. No, no fake. He, he makes got the way too much money. Why, Why did the, the reporters ask that question?
2: Fake? Are those fake? He and Ocho Cinco, who's... Yeah,
0: his response was perfect. I'm Joe Burrow. <laughs> you think I had four fake? <laughs> I have fake. you too much <laughs> to have fakes. <laughs> yeah, I have a too much. That's just so funny. Fun. Joe Burrow's a likable guy. Got to be a great Super Bowl, but... One thing that definitely came across this weekend that I think nobody expected outside possibly the Bengals and Rams meeting was the retirement, in quotation marks, Question mark. of Tom alleged, Brady. Alleged okay, so we have the story kind of put out that there was a leak from Adam Schefter and apparently some other sources, I didn't hear the names of some of the other ones, that said Tom Brady is going to hang up his cleats. He's done. He's retiring. Make it effective today, and you literally go on Twitter. You can't see anything but just straight Tom Brady stuff across the board in sports reporting, right? Cause exactly. I, but now they come back and they say, "Wait, Tom didn't well, say this." Wait a minute. He's Tom not tired right. yet. Even Tom comes out and with his agent and says, "Yeah, he's not. He's not ready." You'll hear it from him. you will not hear it from anybody else. Yeah.
1: Tom Tom hasn't said anything. He hasn't made a statement on it. He, right. He was, he was like his his agent Don says. Uh, yeah. He'll say it. When I, mean, I saw right. when I saw that like and it was like per Adam Schefter, I was like,
2: I saw it and I was like, dude, Tom Brady is the guy is not the guy who would let that leak out. No. Like, he's definitely a guy who's going to cover all his bases and then make a press conference or release it himself and say, I'm retiring. I'm going to hang up the cleats. And he's also a guy who's not going to who's. I think he wants to do a Peyton Manning, where he's going to win a Super Bowl and then he's going to be done. Because he definitely has talent. Guy throws forty-five touchdowns this season. At forty-four, he's got plenty of time left. He's got the talent. He's got the team around him. I mean, AB isn't there anymore, but I mean, (laughs) you know how it is. But like, he's a guy who still has. He's not in his prime anymore, like athletically, but mentally and as a as a quarterback, he still is a guy who can get you a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. one or two more Super Bowls if he really wanted to and I think that's the one thing is like when I saw that I was super skeptical because I was like he's not the guy who would let this happen where it just leak out and it'll be in, in question
0: yeah I think the the matter of fact of like when we saw this we were all kind of like huh that's kind of like I Are guess it's, sure about it's that? over but nobody no, like everybody was kind of like oh wow this is such a surprise but it was like wait it's a surprise right because we don't we don't expect it to go that way Tom Brady's retirement the greatest player in football Grace player arguably in NFL history across the board just hangs it up on a January thirtieth afternoon at like two p.m. No, there's no way by a leak. No, absolutely not. There's just something that's going on with this, and I know that we'll get into the speculation in just a minute. Dylan has an awesome theory for how this is all going to how it transpired, but the fact is like Tom Brady is too much of a just a. Like the human touch of a person, like there he's so likable. Like, now, I mean, obviously people hate him because he wins all the time, but that's a different point. But you know, like he's not necessarily like he's he he's a he's such a like humane guy that you're there's like just no way that you just like let the opportunity to take all like as great of a player he is. There's no way he'd just like let this go by, right? There's got to be something behind it that makes it that super special, right? The human touch. Especially with all the things that he said about his family, all the things that he said leading up to, I want to play till I'm 45 years old, which, I mean, he's almost there. So, I mean, the fact is, like, there seems to be more to this. And I I was listening to Dave Sampson this morning from CBS that was saying that exact same thing of, like, you know, if Tom wanted to retire, that's not the way Tom wants it to go. Yeah, You know, there's got to be something more to it. There's got to be some just, like, there's got to be, a, like, an aura around it. Like, there, there has to be something spectacular to come out of it. And, I mean, just the fact that it gets leaked, it doesn't make sense. But the theory is going to be theories behind it. The way that this leaked, somebody was in the circle of whoever was talking to him, got a hold of some information, and tried to become the next Schefter. That I think that's have to be what has happened in the situation. But, I mean... Dylan, your conspiracy theory that you have found out, I think, is
1: very interesting. Why don't you tell us? So this theory makes more sense than anything um, on the whole. Not doing a, a whole big thing when the winningest quarterback in NFL history just says, "Yeah, I'm done." No, no way. No. Um, on on top of the fact, if if Tom Brady is still on the roster uh, by this Friday, he gets another fifteen million dollars. So he's not going to retire before he gets that 15 mil, right? Um, however, this was posited by uh, Toucher & Rich. of a Boston sports show. And it, it reads like this. So Tom Brady recorded his tease final episode of Man in the Arena, where he announces his retirement. And this is speculation. That's not known. But So let's say he does that. And then someone at ESPN+, the network that carries the series, sees an advanced copy of it. And then that person leaks it to fellow employee Adam Schefter. Mm. And that's that makes more sense when you realize that ESPN is standing by the story of Tom Brady's retirement. The NFL, the act like their Instagram account, posted the retirement of Tom Brady, it says Tom Brady hangs it up and has his retirement. And all these guys, Julian Edelman, Bucks players, come out and thank Tom Brady. For playing or having played with him or being the goat, so yeah. all these insiders that are going to know if Brady is retiring, and then now it's just like, yeah we don't we don't know, we don't know, and it's he he's just going to build up for the man in the arena. His he's it's literally all leading up to that final episode where it can drive traffic. That's true. Drive show. ratings up a little bit. That'll this entire thing. It, it's perfectly. Orchestrated because everyone's talking about is Tom Brady retiring? There's no doubt he is. This is it for him. He's it's more than usual, Tom Brady in more than past years it's been talked about. Is he retiring this year? That's what's been posted. He goes on, he talks about it and he's like, um, yeah, you know, his his wife not liking seeing him get hit and family time and all mm-hmm. this. Um, I've never heard that come out of Tom Brady's mouth. I mean, after he wins the Super Bowl, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm coming back. You just won. You're gonna come back. But th- this like legitimate, like somber idea of, yeah, um, I'm getting up there in age. And then it starts coming out that people close to Tom start saying they're expecting him to retire. They think he's gonna retire. He's gonna make a decision on retirement. Then the next couple days, Adam Schefter releases his report, and then it gets walked back on to create a little bit of controversy. People start talking about it. It'll just lead up to the man in the arena, drive up all that rating. He'll collect his cool 15 mil from the Buccaneers, and he will ride off into the sunset as the winningest quarterback in NFL history.
0: I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But doesn't that just make
2: sense? It kinda does. I mean I think Adam Schefter kinda maybe I don't know, I've I thought he jumped the gun a little bit, but I don't yeah. now that I think about it a lot more, like it that I don't want to see him retire because then like, you know, all of our childhood quarterbacks growing up are just like not playing anymore and it just like kinda signifies a new era of like franchise and, you know, generational players and stuff like that. But the more I think about him just like, you know, it makes sense because he's a guy like you know, how how off, how long is he gonna be able to like hold this up? You know, he's getting older. Yeah. I feel like I feel like what he says though when he gets hit and stuff and when he gets like some small injuries, it probably takes a lot longer for him to heal up and get back to hundred oh, yeah. percent now. And I mean, I even remember when <clears throat> when you made that point of like Giselle getting worried about him getting hit and stuff like that. I mean guy's a family man, he's probably wants to start being a dad a lot more. So it makes a lot more sense, but hopefully it's not true because I'd like to see him win one more before he calls it quits. I wish, or I wish he'd be able to win eight. But I mean, hey, 20 years and you make the Super Bowl 10 times and you win seven of them. I mean, that's crazy.
0: Are we ever gonna see that again? Probably not. Like, uh, yeah. Probably not. Probably it's, not. It's yeah. cur- it's crazy to think about. Wait, who's gonna be who's gonna be that guy? The only person I can think of is maybe like Patrick Mahomes,
2: maybe, maybe, maybe. Mahomes what one and three in the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, but I mean, he just got beat by Joe Burrow, and then there's other the guys, you know, three. Justin Herbert, or he one and Ooh. two. Yeah, one and two. One he's, and two. Sorry, I, he's 50%. I, said, I meant to say one for three. I meant to say one for. Three. He's
1: won fifty percent of the Super Bowls. That's an excellent. Has he made two or three? He's made two, right? Wait, I thought he's made three because
2: he. No, no. Nah. He
1: lost one. He made one
2: before. Oh, I guess two. Yeah, okay, you're right. two. Yeah, never mind. I just don't so, know. I'm talking about. He won the one. one
1: against San Francisco and then lost to Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. Oh, okay, correct. I thought he played one more before the.
2: I no. thought. Oh, because it was San Francisco and the Rams that yeah. one time. I thought it was uh, Rams and the Chiefs. Never mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, either way, like the fact that you. We, I think what we all kind of thought. Because, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like, Tom Brady was like, yeah, I'm not retiring. Like, he said that so many times throughout this. I'm playing till I'm 45 and all of these other things. Like, you were just like, yeah, there, there's no way that, like, Tom's going to retire or anything. But now when he started, when we started hearing about, like, he's talking about Giselle more. He's talking about his kids more. Yeah. He's talking about, like, I mean, I'm starting. And he actually starts admitting
1: stuff, and you're like, oh, this really seems like this is it, isn't it? That, that's the exact point I was about to make. Nobody, nobody talks about... Or no one had talked about retirement with Tom Brady. Those two terms do not collide. You have a quarterback like Big Ben. Three years ago, they're asking, uh, "Is this dude going to retire yet?" Is he? Because is he? you can tell he's literally—he <laughs> yeah. looks like he's getting old. Tom Brady has been as physically fit for the game of football as he has in years. He's been really good with his health. Big Ben should have probably retired two years ago, and that's what it has been talked about. Big Ben in retirement. Perfect combination. Tom Brady and retirement don't go together, antithesis of each other. Mm -hmm. But now you have him talking about retirement, just kind of edging around it. And then you have his agent edging around it. And I hate to repeat myself, but that whole idea of bringing it to the man in the arena and Having, uh, like, imagine it comes out. Tom Brady announces his retirement in this show. Everyone's going to want to go watch that final episode or the yeah. entire series. Yeah. It's perfect. His dad can say, Yeah, he's not retiring. You were literally his dad. <laughs> you know the answer. It's like my mom saying, I'm the best journalist ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I, I agree. And that was one of the things
0: Dave Sampson said, too, is like when they were talking about, yo, like him, his dad said, yeah, Tom knows what he's going to do, right? He's not is he actually waiting this out? I mean, he's had how many years that he's been thinking about this, right? He was thinking about this like we should be honest before he came to Tampa, these rumors were just as hot as any. Like, oh yeah, he's not going to play for another team, right? No, no way. Just trying to make to think an about honest about dollar. He knows what he wanted to do in Tampa.
1: Tom Brady is a certified bag chaser. <laughs> up until the very end, he is going to be a certified bag chaser.
0: Yeah, which I mean, kind of sucks. It it makes all, no sense. He won't get all the money from like man in the <sighs> arena. It'll partially go to ESPN, but man, I mean, I mean, homie, homie's
2: wife probably sitting on a, a quick little bag. I mean, well, I mean, she, I mean she's, makes she's, more than Tom. Does. Yeah, she makes it more than him, probably like five times over, most yeah. likely. I mean, when she was like, getting, or when she was like in her prime of modeling, or whatever, she was probably making like what, $100 million, $200 million bucks a year. Oh, got to be up there.
1: This is completely random, um, but Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, right? Yeah. Did you know that uh, she was used to, she used to be married to Leonardo DiCaprio? Really? Yeah. Right. Maybe she's bag chasing,
0: dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's just a fun fact.
1: That That's I've...
2: fun.
0: That is a fun fact.
2: Leonardo DiCaprio probably dumped her when she reached 22. <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, fans are pretty mad at Giselle because I think they think that she's behind all of this but i mean i mean tom's a family man he's, though
1: he's, he's 44 years old that's the, yeah. yeah that's Dude. the
2: thing it's like i think when when you see tom brady who said like i want to play till I'm 50 or 45 or whatever then like you hear all the stuff about her his like that's just what his like that's what every nfl player's wife probably says that's what every nfl fa- player's family probably says is like they don't want their you know they don't want the next game to be like a Terrible hit, or like a, a career ending. They don't want to have no. it like an Alex Smith type situation where his leg is literally just like severed and severed and apart, and now it just looks like a you know a, a poorly packed like sausage. Like, that's I mean, basically what his leg looks like. So, you don't want that to happen to Tom Brady, but it's like you also don't want him to retire because he has so many fans across the board and he has so many people who just don't want to see him stop playing. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, last year Tom Brady had a he played on a like torn MCL. Yeah, or something. He had to get it repaired in the off season, and to my knowledge, um, that is like the worst injury Tom has had in a while, mm-hmm. and that, it, it's like a, a a crack in in that like or just a, a tear in the curtain. Right? He's not yeah. invincible. He's not invincible. He's he's forty four years but old. But it let's, could let's... it could snowball into just like yeah. a whole bunch of
2: stuff. Yeah, Be,
1: yeah being stuff. being surprised. Um, uh, Tom Brady retires around 44, forty four, forty five. You shouldn't be surprised. It's like having someone die when they're one hundred and one years old. It's bound to happen
2: yeah. at this rate. I think it's more like with people. I think it's more like people think like he's gonna play. Like they have that thought is just like we know he's gonna retire, but like the people think he's gonna play forever. And then when it actually comes to it, they're just like, wow, like can't believe it actually happened.
0: The epiphany that Tom Brady will not play on a football field is too much for people to let go by, you know. Yeah, that's that's really what I think it comes down to. We know that Tom Brady will retire. We just don't want it to happen. You know, yeah. we want to see him play. But what a career forever.
2: for Mister One Ninety Nine!
0: If it is the end for Brady, who knows? Maybe he comes back and win another Super Bowl. But it'll be very interesting to see how this off season goes. To see, in fact, if he will be on the football field in twenty twenty two coming up but thank you guys for tuning in we appreciate your listen to this episode make sure you follow and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are on include subscribe to youtube for all the best and full show bits of the mbsp as well as all the other goodness but dylan thank you for joining us my friend anytime
2: yeah great to have you on dylan but as always take care everybody